Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Port St. Lucie. Let's join student and creative arts pastor, Will Price, with the message, Real Talk. It's good to be with you guys. My name is Will, and I am the pastor for Youth and Creative Arts here at Calvary. Um, Today, Pastor Mike is out with his wife on vacation, and so pray for them as they get away for, uh, you know, just a good time of of recharging and and reconnecting. Um, I'm excited, uh, because today, we're gonna start a two-part series on prayer. Two-part series on prayer, so I'm actually gonna be back next week Um, to teach again, but the title of my message today is Real Talk, and if I could give you the big idea, maybe you wanna write this down, here it is. Prayer is real talk with a real God. Prayer is real talk with a real God. Again, next week I'll be back um, to share part two of this series in a message that I'm titling When Prayer Doesn't Work. When prayer doesn't work. Last service, two people left when I said that. (laughs) You can laugh, okay? (laughs) But next week, I'm gonna be talking about this idea that prayer does work, unless it doesn't. I'm gonna be talking about uh, this idea that in the human experience, there are times when we pray and nothing happens, okay? Let's just be real. We're gonna be talking about that next week, but for this week, we're gonna be talking real talk and how prayer is just that. Now, um, let's go ahead and pray, and um, we'll ask God's blessings on, on our time in his word. So Father, we thank you that we can dive into your word, and God, we pray that you would just bless this time. We pray that our hearts uh, and our minds would be open to what you wanna say, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So during the summer of 1991, I met a guy by the name of Wesley Thompson. Now, Wesley lived up the road from me a little ways, and um, we ended up meeting through a mutual friend one day. And it didn't take long for me and Wesley to become best friends. In fact, Wesley became that one friend that I literally did everything with. And so we played sports together. Uh, We terrorized our little sisters together. And believe it or not, but we were so bad that we used to throw frogs at passing cars together. How many of you have done that? Don't lie. Okay, I'm the only one. Man, I I'm, I'm, was a really bad kid. But anyway, Wesley was my best friend, um, and Wesley was one of those friends that I felt like I could talk to about anything just like for, for hours. You know what I mean? Like it, it didn't matter what we talked about. It didn't matter how we talked about it, and it didn't matter when we talked about it. We could literally sit and talk for hours. Conversation just came easy. In fact, um, I took a a trip back home to Arkansas a couple of weeks ago, and I ended up um, getting Starbucks with Wesley, and and, and you know what? We hadn't seen each other in a long time or or even talked, but it was just really cool how it was like our friendship didn't skip a beat, and and, and we just sat there in Starbucks and just talked for hours. It was It was great, but that's the thing that I love about good friends. You know, the conversation just flows. But I've been thinking that for a lot of people, including myself, especially when I first became a Christian, that talking to God can feel like the complete opposite of talking to a good friend. 
Because here's the thing, oftentimes with prayer, you can't even find the words to say. You know what I mean? Like, oftentimes with prayer, you go, oh my goodness, like, am I supposed to use thee, thy, and thou when I pray? Like, how do I talk to God? Like, what are the words am I, that I'm supposed to use? Because I wanna make sure I'm getting it right. You know what I mean? And so it complicates our prayer life. I think another thing is that oftentimes with prayer, some people can find that um, they're not even sure if they're doing it right. I mean, when I was growing up, I was taught that prayer looked a particular way and that you had to do it like that for it to be effective. You know, like, and, and maybe, maybe you feel the same way about the way you've been taught prayer, that, that it involves a certain formula or format. I even have heard that effective prayer is like a mathematical equation that says this plus this plus this equals effective prayer. And so I think for a lot of people, you go, man, am, am I even doing this right? And what if I get it wrong? Like, is my prayer gonna go as high as the ceiling and not reach God? Right? And not only that, but I think for a lot of people, oftentimes prayer can feel like God's not even listening. And I'm gonna talk a lot about that next week in part two of the series. But do you know what I think that we've done with prayer? I think that when it comes to prayer, a lot of us have begun to view prayer like we view fine china. Now let me explain what I mean. When I was a kid, my mom inherited uh, some fine china from one of her wealthy aunts. And I remember as a child how that, that fine china rarely came out except on special occasions. And I also remember as a child not ever being allowed to use the fine china. You know why? Because that fine china was reserved for the mature adults in the family. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so I, I, feel, I feel like a lot of times we view prayer that way. Like prayer's only supposed to come out on special occasions. A lot of times we view prayer like it's some super fancy thing that only certain people really know how to use. And I think the result for a lot of people today in our culture is either a weak, or non-existent prayer life. But I just want us to think this morning, man, what if prayer isn't supposed to be that complicated? What if prayer is supposed to be more like talking to a really good friend? What if prayer is less like fine china and more like just everyday dishes that anyone can use? Think about this. What if what if our conversations with God are actually intended to be real talk with a real God who wants a relationship with us? What if? Now, I think one of the best teachings on prayer is found in Matthew chapter six. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter six. I'm gonna have these passages on the screen if you forgot your Bible. But in Matthew chapter six, we find Jesus teaching his followers about prayer. 
And what he says in verse nine is really the crux of what I wanna talk to you about today. But before we get to verse nine, I wanna share a few thoughts on verses five and seven. Jesus starts out his teaching on prayer with two things not to do. And in verse five, he says this. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say, they have received their reward. Okay, so when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Who were the hypocrites? Well, the hypocrites that Jesus was talking about were the people who would pray in public, not so much to connect with God, but to be seen by the people around them. These hypocrites wanted to practice their so-called righteousness with an audience. And so Jesus is condemning that type of act. And I don't want you to be mistaken here. Jesus is not condemning public prayer. After all, Jesus and his disciples prayed publicly. I think the emphasis here that Jesus is making is on motive, motive, okay? And I love what Dr. Thomas Constable said about this issue. He said, the public versus private antithesis is a good test of one's motives. The person who prays more in public than in private reveals that he is less interested in God's approval than in human praise. And so, just a word of encouragement here. Be careful when it comes to public prayer. Be careful when it comes to public prayer and, and, and the reasons why you do it. There's a growing movement in the church, not necessarily just this church, but the church worldwide that I've heard about. And the movement says this, when you go out to eat, when you're on the street corner, maybe when you're at Walmart or wherever it might be, you should pray so that people will see you and know that you're different. Or, or you should pray so that people will see you and know that you're a Christian. And I'm just not so sure that that's a good practice. Because think about it, what is the purpose of prayer? Is it to show people something? No, the purpose of prayer is to connect with God. It's to connect with God, and so am I saying don't pray in public? No, I'm not saying that. If, if you can sit down at a meal at Chili's and with pure motives connect with God, thanking him for the meal, great, do that. That's a good practice but we should never practice prayer to be seen. Jesus makes it very clear. He goes on in verse seven to say this, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Okay, so here, again, we have a warning about something that we should not do when we pray. And that is 
repetitious praying. Repetitious praying. And this is a tricky one because if you know the Bible, you know that Jesus and Paul and even some of the disciples would pray long prayers and they would repeat things. And so I, I, I don't think that Jesus is condemning long prayers or repeating things, okay? I think what Jesus is talking about here is the common practice of Gentiles during that time. The common practice of Gentiles during that time was to repeat rehearsed prayers. And so they would go out into public and they would just say these memorized, rehearsed, very familiar prayers over and over and over again. And, and, and the thing is, what Jesus is saying is, look, the repetition has become so familiar that the prayer has lost its sincerity. Does that make sense? And, and I think the same can be true for us. If, if we're not careful, sometimes our prayer can become so repetitious that it becomes insincere. And, 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 and so here's what I know. Some of you are here today and, and you feel like your prayer life has become stale. You feel like your prayer life has become ineffective. And it could be because you're saying the same prayers over and over and over again. And so whether it's the mealtime prayer or the bedtime prayer or the drive to work prayer, which there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but I think maybe for some of you, it's the same old prayer that you've been saying for years and years and years. And I just wanna say very boldly this morning, if you're not careful, repeating those prayers over and over again can become so familiar that they lose their sincerity. Does that make sense? So Jesus says, don't, don't get caught up doing that. I love what Dr. Robert A. Cook said. He said, all of us, this is so good, all of us have one routine prayer in our system, and once we get rid of it, then we can really start to pray. Isn't that good? You should take a screenshot of that with your phone and keep that and read that again later this week. So good. I really like that. So two big no-nos. Don't pray to be seen and don't get stuck saying the same prayer over and over again. And that brings us to what I believe is one of the most radical teachings on prayer that we find in the Bible. Because what Jesus says next would have shocked everyone listening. So I want you to track with me here, okay? Verse five and seven, Jesus says, don't pray to be seen and don't get repetitious. And then he says this in verse nine, instead, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father who art in heaven. Okay, now let's be real. No one talks like that anymore, do they? Right? Like, I don't sit at home in my favorite chair and say, my wife who art in the kitchen, make thy husband a sandwich. I don't talk like that. It sounds more like, hey woman, give me a sandwich. You know what I mean? I'm kidding, I don't say that. Love you. 
We don't talk like that. You know, growing up, my mom never said, my son, thou art in trouble. William Lynn Price be thy name, you know? I mean, I definitely got in a lot of trouble and I definitely heard my mom call me by my middle name. Um, but we don't talk like that anymore. But for some reason, um, you know, King James Version, it, it just kind of stuck and this is the way that our Bibles have been translated. Our Father who art in heaven. And you know what's interesting is when I first looked at this phrase, and I'm sure that you share the same feelings, um, it, it didn't really shock me. It didn't really stand out to me at all. I mean, our Father who art in heaven, it's probably as normal and as formal um, as we've been taught that prayer should be. But what you need to understand this morning is that this phrase, our Father, totally contradicted traditional Jewish thought on how one should approach God. See, to the Jews, God was so holy and so big and, and kind of hard to reach. And, and, and so when they would approach God, it was in a very official, very ceremonial, very serious way, almost like you would talk to a judge in the court system, right? Like, your honor, may I approach the bench? You know, there's that very formal sort of behavior. But, but Jesus comes along here in this teaching to his disciples and he says, hang on, I want you to think about prayer in a whole new light. Hang on, you don't have to pray like you've been taught, okay? Because from now on, you can approach God like this, our Father, our Father. Now that phrase, our Father, is from the Aramaic word Abba, which means daddy. Daddy. You can start approaching God that way, Jesus says. And what you need to know is that that term Abba is a Jewish term that children would have used with their fathers. Abba was a term that was very comfortable and very familiar and just very easy to do. It was the way Jewish children would approach their daddies. And so don't miss this, because what Jesus does here is he tells his followers, hey, you can start praying like this. Hey, you can, you can start approaching God in this way. It, it doesn't have to be so formal anymore. It doesn't have to be so ceremonial anymore. What he was teaching them was this, folks, and it's your big idea. That is that we can start having real talk with a real God. We can start having real talk with a real God. And, and don't get me wrong, God is holy. He is holy and he's worthy of respect and, and, and he's worthy of honor and, and reverence, yes, but he's not some super formal, out of touch God that's hard to talk to. Instead, no, Jesus says, listen, he's a really good daddy who's easy to talk to. And I don't know about you, but for me, I find this teaching from Jesus to be simple, yes, but absolutely profound and, and relief to my soul. Why? Because it makes me feel like I can approach God in a very real way. It makes me feel like I can go to God and I can just be me. Like I don't have to change who I am or the way I talk. I can just go to my daddy in heaven and we can just talk. Like, I don't have to look at prayer like, like fine china anymore. I, I don't have to use fancy words. 
I don't have to make it so formal. Instead, I can just approach my daddy with real talk because he's a real God who wants a relationship with me. So look, I don't know what your prayer life is like, but I wanna say to you this morning, if you've struggled to get your prayer life going because you were taught some complicated, formal, ceremonial approach that's just got you feeling like a complete failure, I wanna say, I'm sorry. On behalf of the church, Big C Church, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for church people who have made prayer so complicated. I'm sorry for the way church people have made prayer seem like it's some mathematical equation or formula that's hard to figure out. I'm sorry, because it's not the way God intended it. And my prayer is that real talk with a real God is something that you can start doing today. Now I have five minutes left. And what I wanna do with this five minutes is I wanna share with you some ideas of what real talk with a real God might look like. And in no way do I want to present to you a formula or an equation or anything like that because prayer can look like a lot of different things for a lot of different people. But what I do wanna do is I wanna, I wanna just take these last few minutes to share with you what prayer looks like for me. And so for me, when I pray, prayer typically looks like worship. And this one's kinda easy for me. I'm, I'm, I'm a worship pastor, and I love to worship God, and I love to use words that I feel magnify his name. And so when I pray, I worship God. And, and, and by worship, I mean using words to describe how awesome he is. And so when I pray, I, I, like to, I just like to think of how God wows me. You know, and sometimes that's on my morning commute to work. I, I'm going down midway, I'm going over the turnpike and I look and the sun is rising and I just, I'm like, man, God, your creation is so beautiful and so incredible and so I just worship you. But I think prayer can look like that. It can look like worship. I also think prayer can look like confession. And I think this is an, import, uh, an important part of that uh, a prayer life. But let me, let me ask you this. Have you ever been offended or actually, have you ever offended or wronged somebody and then tried to sweep it under the rug? What happens? You end up feeling awkward every time you're around that person. Like even if they've forgiven you and moved on, you still feel awkward around that person because there's just this unconfessed thing that you did. But what happens when you confess that thing to your friend? The awkwardness goes away. It just kind of makes things better between you and your friend. And you know, the same is true when it comes to our relationship with God concerning prayer. 1 John 1, 9 says it this way. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I don't know about you, but when I pray, I just like to go to dad and let him know what he already knows. Isn't that funny about, about dads? They just like, they, they always seem to know <laughs> how you mess up even before you, you tell them. 
<laughs> but but that, you know, when I go to God in prayer, I'm just like, hey, Dad, like I know you already know this, but I've messed up. I lusted after three guitar pedals this week and I should have been focused on you, you know? I've been thinking a lot about, you know, playing guitar and I should have been praying more, you know? But I'm trying to be funny, but you, you get it, right? Like we need to go to God and just like confess the ways that we've messed up, why? Because it just kind of clears the air and, and it makes it less awkward. Some of you, your prayer life with God is awkward because there's unconfessed sin in your life. The next thing that I would say is that real talk with a real God can look like thankfulness. And I think it should. I think it's a good practice to give credit where credit is due. And James 1.17 tells us that every good thing comes from God. And so, hey, we need to thank him for all the good things in our lives. Psalm 95.2, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. And so when I talk to God, um, typically what I'll do is I'll just thank him for my wife. Thank you, God, for her. You know, she's beautiful inside and out. She takes care of me. She's a great mom. Thank you, God, for blessing me with her. I thank God for my kids. I'll thank God for the ministry that he's, he's given me, the, 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 the opportunity to be involved in. Um, but I think it's important that when we have real talk with God that we thank him for all the ways that he's blessed. And here's, this, here's the last thing, requests, requests. Okay, let me ask you something. How does it make you feel when someone comes up to you and says, hey, how can I pray for you? Or, or hey, John, I've been praying for you. How does that make you feel? Makes you feel great, doesn't it? So hey, why not return the favor when you have real talk with a real God? First Timothy 2.1 actually commands it, sort of. Hey, look on the screen. I urge, he says. Like I implore, like you need to do this. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. And so for me, real talk with a real God looks like making requests for others. And not only that, but you can make requests for yourself. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Why? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And, and let me just tell you, this one right here, the requests part of prayer is what I'm gonna be talking about next week. Because here's what I, I know from, from my human experience is that there have been many times when I've made requests to God and nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. And I'm sure you can resonate with that. Many of you have prayed that the cancer would go away, and it didn't, it actually killed. Many of you have prayed for many different things with very specific requests in mind, and nothing happened. And I don't know what it is about, about that. We don't wanna talk about it, we don't wanna admit that it, it's like that, but we're gonna talk about it next week. We're gonna dive into this idea that prayer works unless it doesn't, okay? Before you shoot me or send me an email, just come back next week and hear me out, okay? All right, here's the bottom line for the day. Prayer 
can be, should be, needs to be, is real talk with a real God, all right? And so let me just ask you this morning, how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Maybe you're here today and your prayer life has been hindered because you viewed it the same way you view fine china. Maybe you're here today and your prayer life has been hindered because someone somewhere along the way taught you that it had to be a certain way, like a mathematical equation. I hope that today you've been set free from that. I hope that today Jesus' teaching frees you up to feel like you can start having real talk with a real God. In fact, let me just encourage you Make a commitment right now to start this tomorrow, okay? And so maybe it's in your bed, like you wake up and you're laying there in your bed. Maybe that's when you pray. Maybe it's on your way to work or school. But where, wherever, make a commitment today to start tomorrow with having real conversations with your daddy in heaven. And hey, just be you. Use words that you would normally use. Take some time to tell God how he wows you. Take some time to kind of clear the air and let him know what you're struggling with. Take some time to thank him for all of the ways that he blesses you. And maybe ask him to show up in a big way in a friend's life. Is that something you guys think you can start doing? Awesome, would you stand and let's pray together. Prayer partners, you can go ahead and come forward. Father, thank you so much that we can have real talk with you, that we don't have to pretend to be someone else, we don't have to use fancy words, we don't have to follow a formula, it's not a mathematical equation, it's not like fine china, no, prayer is real talk because you're a real God who wants a relationship with us. And God, I pray today that we've been set free from these chains of formality and ceremony when it comes to prayer. Daddy, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. amen. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you come back next week for part two. And don't forget to sign up for Financial Peace. You are dismissed. One of the greatest gifts God can give his children is the assurance of their salvation. If you're not sure where you stand with God, we want to help. Visit our website at calvarypsl.com. Click on I'm New Here, then Knowing Christ.